Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer Sports Radio 810 WHB. I am Nate Bucati, joined as always by Allie Trost in her hipster uh, midtown apart crossroads type apartment. And and wait a second. Carter Augustine is not in front of a backdrop of palm trees and a lagoon. Instead, it looks like some modern art possibly behind him featuring a dog and, uh, and a nice little uh, wine bar or, or something there uh, as well. Where in the world, Carter, are you back in Kansas City? Back in Kansas City, outside the bubble. It popped for, for Sporting KC uh, last week, and um, they kicked us, right away, kicked us out right away. So uh, got back for, for this past weekend. So Carter Augustine is back from the bubble. We will talk about that last game for Sporting. Disappointing to crash out in the quarterfinals, but some, some work was done for Sporting Kansas City down in the MLS's back tournament when it comes to uh, putting themselves in good position for a playoff run now that the regular season hopefully will be starting here very soon. Coming up on the show, we got a couple of special guests that are going to join us today. Amadou Dia, left back for Sporting Kansas City, who got some serious run at the, uh, in the second half of that game against the Philadelphia Union in the quarterfinals, is going to join us in the next segment. Then we're going to have the MVP of the championship game of the NWSL Challenge Cup, who happens to be a Kansas City metro area native from Liberty, Missouri. Shea Groom is going to join us as well. They, had, they got to actually have a parade first championship in professional sports i believe in the united states since patrick mahomes in the kansas city chiefs so that'll be pretty cool we're going to talk with shay groom on the show as well so that's all coming up and then we'll tell you what we do know not much but what we do know about the plans for a uh, return to play for mls in regular season action here in a little bit but guys we got to start with disappointing game against philadelphia really a disappointing 15 minute stretch where they scored all three of their goals by that point in time, Sporting Kansas City looked a lot better, but Peter Vermees looked about as angry as any point in time that I remember him, both during the game when he was giving it to the players and then afterwards with the comments that he had. We've seen him mad before, don't get me wrong, but that, I don't know if I've ever seen him any, any more angry than he was. And, uh, and Ali, I, I think that's going to make for an interesting next preseason or whatever this is, the training that the guys will have up until the, uh, the actual start of play again. A couple of comments from Peter Vermees stood out to me in the post game. Number one being that he says, thankfully, he has enough time now to go back and figure out what went wrong, which will be at the expense of the players. Now, whether or not that's going to be something as drastic as seeing uh, them part ways with anyone on the team or as maybe on the, you know, the lesser end of that, uh, just seeing some lineup changes. Amadou Dia, though, who we'll talk to later in the show, looked great. And the team really outside, like you said, Nate, of that 15 minutes, looked a lot better but Vermees did say when you're trailing three nothing it's hard not to mentally get into that that mindset of okay we need to come back and we're clawing our way back uh, to get in this game so he said that really he was just super disappointed with that first 15 minutes coming out um, unorganized looking like they didn't you know even have it in them to win the game but it was very uncharacteristic of the team and and I don't think that when the season does resume we'll see a sporting Kansas City uh, appearance like that one. Yeah, I, I think arguably their worst half of the year. And so I think they'll be pretty frustrated with, with that aspect of it. Um, you know, talking to Kerry Zavagnin at halftime, and he just flat out said, you know, we didn't come to compete today. Um, at that point, they had grabbed the goal back late on in the first 
half. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be something that bugs the team. Um, uh, there's some players that got a, a big chance in this game that uh, didn't play up to their potential as well. And I think that'll bug uh, some of those specific players. And then um, I, I think that's what really stands out to me is um, they had been building and, and we heard from Peter Vermees, they learned a lot. I, I think the four games preceding in the tournament, there was positives, different areas of the pitch, positives about how they played. And um, just to come out there and, and uh, put a, put in their worst half of the season in that game, I think they'll be, um, I think they'll be pretty sad about, but man, if, if that Polito free kick goes in, in the second half, you know, what, what might've been um, just couldn't quite, it went over the line there in the second half, but a much improved performance, at least in the, in the last 45. Yeah. And, and so, and look, Philadelphia, they look good. I mean, they, they, they played to a three, three draw with LAFC before this MLS is back tournament starts. I'm be interested to see how they fare in the rest of this tournament now onto the semifinals. And, um, and, and I do guys want to take some time to celebrate what MLS has done in this situation because th and this, these will be my comments. I'm, I'm curious what you guys think of it. And I definitely want to hear what you have to say, Carter, because you actually lived it. You, you were inside this bubble the entire time, but I feel like vicariously you've done such a good job. We've, we've had, we've been able to kind of live it through you a little bit and you've helped share your experiences with us. We live in a world right now where people are trying to make things up as they go because we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And there's not really a roadmap for what we want to do. For example, my family and I are trying to decide what situation that's best for our family is when it comes to returning to school for our kids. I can't think of a more confusing decision I've had to make in my entire life. My wife and I go back and forth every day. We want to know about plans. We're looking at plans from all these different school districts all over the region to see, well, why aren't we doing it that way or that way? My point to that is, it's very easy to second guess and criticize all the decisions that are being made because in the most cases, there's a problem with every single decision. There is no perfect solution to any of these things. And it takes a lot of guts to try something. And some things are getting tried right now that we're seeing that aren't really working. And there was a lot of, I think we have to remember how much um, questioning there was of whether or not this was a good idea to go to the bubble with what was happening in the state of Florida, were they gonna be able to pull this thing off? With the way things started, with two teams having to get sent home, there was no roadmap for, and I gotta keep, make sure we keep putting NWSL in the same boat, because they were even a little bit ahead of, of MLS on some of these issues. But I remember that first game that Sporting Kansas City played, getting ready to take the air, thinking, I'm not gonna really fully believe that we're gonna kick this game off until it gets kicked off. Because you just didn't know what was going to happen next. To be a few weeks removed from that now and seeing the success of it and no positive test for the past three weeks and, and it looks like they're going to pull this thing off, I think we can see that it's given the NBA so much more confidence that their competition is going to go well. They got to learn some of the things that MLS put out there and, and struggled from, but also like that confidence of, hey, this bubble situation actually can work and work really well. And I just, I want to congratulate the league and all the teams because every single player, every single person like Carter that sacrificed time away from their family, that, that sacrificed time away from home, that took on a risk of not knowing, is this going to be safe for me to do? 
Um, my, I, just a tip of the cap to all of you that were a part of it. And I think everyone in this league should feel really proud. And I don't want to, you know, hey, we can't wave the checkered flag yet. It's not over yet. But to this point, what a success it's been. I'll start with you, Carter. If you could just maybe describe for you what, what the experience was like, what your maybe most, you know, the, the, the biggest memories that when, when you're sitting down telling little Carter Jr. about this day someday down the road, what are some of the things that will come to your mind first about the experience you've just been through for the past few weeks? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I would wholeheartedly, you know, second that tip of the cap to MLS and, and they just put on a wonderful event down there, all things considered. I mean, like you said, a lot of second guessing going into every single decision right right now. But, you know, people are working from something that doesn't have a script. And so um, my hat's off to them. I mean, talking to some of the people that some of the people from the league were already down there for, you know, a month before we got down there. So they're working on 60 days straight in the bubble. And you could tell they they thought about every single detail, um, you know, whether it was the ability to go on these little mini golf excursions or uh, all, all the everything in whatever cooler you wanted. Um, I, I really do think it was it was really well done, really well executed. Uh, the to coordinate all of this stuff as well with the hotel, with all the teams. Um, fantastic job you know I gotta give a shout out to you know Sporting sent down some staffers as well as part of the operations staff so they weren't part of the um, the tier one status in with the team but they were down there uh, living and working in the bubble for a couple weeks at a time and and doing the operation stuff changing the fields um, setting up everything at the hotel setting up everything at the field so you know my guy Nick Barbalato was down there from Sporting KC um, for a couple weeks and I know he really helped us out and there are a few others that that went down there as well from SKC from all around the league so um, just the ability to coordinate that and and I think in the end you have to say after the initial scares that yeah the bubble did work so I mean major props to the league for putting on the event the way they did um, for me yeah I, I mean I, I went down there with kind of the mindset that this hopefully is a once-in-a-lifetime experience um, you know, hopefully we nip this thing in the bud here and we can get back to, to being regular life. But um, with that in mind, I was kind of throughout the whole thing, looking at it through that lens. And so um, for me, what will, what will stand out is, well, one is the, the Black Lives Matter um, the demonstration in the first game. I mean, I, I had goosebumps watching that. Unfortunately, I couldn't be at the field. So I was just watching on TV like you guys were. And I mean, the coordination in that and to get everyone from every team there, I, that's something that, that still sticks out to me. Uh, and so that's, you know, being down there and kind of being an auxiliary uh, part, um, just it was really, really cool to see that and talk with all the guys on Sporting KC about it afterwards. So that's the first thing that sticks out to me. And then the second thing is just, you know, I, I did get a chance to talk with some players and get a little closer. And so um, th that's something that will kind of be in the back of my mind, some of the memories of just hanging out with the players after the games, in the downtime, um, kind of a once in a lifetime deal. And uh, yeah, I, overall, uh, very, I would say, positive experience for me. 
what impressed me the most, and Carter, you mentioned all of the behind the scenes work that went into making this bubble atmosphere and this MLS's back tournament possible, but none of that matters if players and essential personnel, staff members down there don't hold themselves accountable and don't take it seriously and don't act in a responsible manner. So for me, to not have a positive test in second week of July and now being early into August, nearing the end of the tournament, just the accountability um, that's been on display from Major League Soccer has been absolutely unbelievable. And I mean, you include, Nate, like you said, the NWSL in this whole thing, too. They had no positive tests, had a, a, a just airtight bubble at, you know, environment that kept everybody safe and allowed the games to be played. And so to me, it just goes to show the uh, the resilience of, of everyone that that helped put these two bubbles on, the, the one in Utah with the Challenge Cup and then the MLS's back tournament as well. Okay, so we now focus our attention toward whatever this regular season is going to look like. There have been reports out there that sometime around August 21st, August 22nd is when they're going to look to try to resume play in the regular season. I think we're all looking forward to getting to that point and hopefully pulling off a, a heck of a regular season that Sporting Kansas City can go out and get themselves in the playoffs and make a run. So we're going to talk more about that as time goes on on this show. Coming up next, we're going to visit with Amadou Dia, the left back for Sporting Kansas City, worked his way into some playing time as this MLS's back tournament went on. That's right after this. We're presented by Michelob Ultra. Find your fit on Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, the Sporting Kansas City Show continues, presented by Michelob Ultra. Find your fit as we continue with Ali Trost and Carter Augustine, joined now by left back for Sporting Kansas City, Amadou Dia. They call him T on the team. He's back from the bubble, and he joins us now. T, how are you, man? Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. How you guys doing? We're doing good, and, and how are you doing being back in Kansas City? What is it like having been in the bubble for like a month now, being outside of the bubble and, and back home right now? It's, uh, it's kind of surreal, to be honest. Like, I don't know what to do with myself. So we've had such a schedule for a month. Like, I've literally been sitting on my couch the last two days doing nothing. So <laughs> it's good to be home. Yes, of course, we wanted to, to go all the way, win it all. We came down there to one goal in minds to win it all and win the championship. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. But we did leave with uh six points on top of the western conference still and so we're happy about that and now just wait to see what this season holds for the next couple weeks and uh, keep going t before we started rolling here you said that during your downtime you tried reading books you were watching netflix shows playing some video games although you did get kind of bored with each of those what were some of your favorites that you did get into um I mean, I'm a big gamer, so I put a lot of video games, watch a bunch of Netflix shows. Any Netflix show you, I've seen them all. So anything, <laughs> seen it all and more. And then I tried to get into reading some stock market books, tried to get into that a little bit, so, you know, some growing up stuff. So a bunch of stuff like that. Um, I was just try to do everything I can to stay entertained. There was a lounge there, there was a pool. We always went to the pool, played a bunch of volleyball. He got our ass robot by his volleyball experience. <laughs> <laughs> Carter knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hi, Carter. Fill us in. What's going on here? Uh, he said he got to ask Robo, so we'll, I think we'll leave it at that. <laughs> hey, um, Tight-lipped yeah, about this volleyball situation, okay? It got it, intense. It got intense, so... <laughs> 
You gotta ask Roger and Robo about that. That's between them. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I uh, glad to hear you, you found some stuff to do by yourself, but it looked like you guys did get a little bit of time to kind of hang out down there. What was that like, just um, being with the team for so long? I was telling Ali, uh, I think a lot of the guys got a lot closer. I think we have one of the closest teams in the league. And so being together for a month, we didn't get on each other's nerves as big as we thought. But um, it was good. Everybody got closer. Everybody was having a good time. We made the best of it. So that's what it's all about. We're visiting with uh, Amadou Dia, and we call him T. His teammates call him T. Is that, is that all right with you? What, what, how, how do we call you on the, on the broadcast? Really, whatever you want. I've been called a lot of different things. Whatever is easiest for you. <laughs> yeah, but what do you want? Like, what would you what would you tell us to call you? Um, Armadou or T is either it's fine with me. Okay. Well, let, let's let's in all seriousness, I do want to explore what these last few weeks have been like on a human level, because this was a unique experience, like in world history. I don't think there's ever been a sports experience like the one you guys and the players maybe in the NWSL were the first two really to do something like this in the midst of a pandemic that we're all living through and learning as we go we've never experienced anything like this did you spend much time reflecting on how unique your situation was and and the fact that you'll be telling people about this experience for the rest of your life um Actually, I did. Um, like you said, it's a unique situation. We will never go through that first-time experience ever again. Even if they're talking about making this, I heard that they're talking about making this bubble man be an annual thing, maybe to start the season off. But even in that sense, it will never be a first time like we just did. And so what we did was pretty amazing. What the WSL did was amazing. And what we followed up with, I think, was really, really good. And the way they handled it, the way they organized it. At first, everybody had their doubts, but once we got down there, everything worked out pretty smoothly for our team. And it was unfortunate for Nashville and Dallas to get all those cases and have to drop out the tournament. But after that whole situation, that situation, I think everything was good. T, you talk about how the team got closer, and you had mentioned before that when you left after your first stint with sporting, you kept in close touch with Tim Melia, Graham Zussi, Roger Espinoza. I'm curious about those relationships specifically. How did those form, and, and what and, you know what went into maintaining those while you were playing for Phoenix Rising? Uh, I mean, those guys are all great guys. I look up to them a lot. They've done a lot in their careers and also off the field as well, so... Um, it's just little text messages, little trash talk and things like that. You know how it goes with the guy. And then uh, just Tim was the first person to tell me every time I saw him, you're going to come back to Kansas City. Just watch. You're going to come back to Kansas City. It's home for you and all that. And I was like, all right, Tim, whatever you say, man. But ironically, I came back and everything, and I couldn't be more happy about it. And so those guys, I look up to them a lot. They've been great to me since day one, since my 2015. And when I came back, they welcomed me in like I never left. And so it was amazing to me. And uh, we really thank for that. So Tim Melia doesn't just guess correctly on PKs. He guesses correctly uh, on players returning to the club. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Tim's pretty smart. Tim, I'm not going to <laughs> But he's a smart man. So whatever he tells me to do, I listen. Or he yells at me most of the time during practice. So. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, that, I mean, the bubble from a historical standpoint is, is, is uh, it's really cool to think about. But for you personally, I, I got to think there's a couple moments down there that were huge for you. I want to start with uh, 
obviously we've got coronavirus going on, but the Black Lives Matter movement has swept the globe. And um, man, I, I just watching that on TV, that the demonstration in that first game, bro, that, that was so powerful. And I'm curious, I, I've talked to you a little bit, but uh, what was that like getting together with, with your teammates, with the, with the sporting staff, going over there and, and being a part of that? Uh, it was a surreal moment. I think about it every day, to be honest. The way that the Black Players Coalition, the leaders of that, they, how they organized it and how they led us to it to the point where even the night before we went out and rehearsed where everybody had to be and everything like that. And then just that moment when we were on the field, everybody being together and then the silence was, it was just, I had like goosebumps over my, all over my body and everything. It was an unreal experience, something I'll never forget, clearly ever in my life and so it's crazy well for us watching at home when that took place I didn't know what exactly was going to be happening and to see that on the field and and I think one of the things I've heard from a lot of people I know I thought it was how long that that period of silence was and what that length of time represented I mean I think it was supposed to be uncomfortably long to be the exact amount of time that, that George Floyd was knelt on. Did that go through your mind at all? Like, what, what do you remember thinking during the course of that silence? And did it feel as like, wow, this is really a long period of time like it did for maybe those of us that were watching? Um, during that amount of time, I was thinking how lucky I am to be here. To be honest, I was like, it could have been me or it could have been any one of these guys on the field, that, ha that situation that happened to George Floyd that happened to any of us and it was I don't know how to describe it to me it was incredibly powerful incredibly powerful now towards the end I was trying to think just keep my arm up there as long as possible because I got kind of tired <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time I was thinking imagine if it was me instead of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or Elijah McClain all of those guys that all those situations happened to and they were murdered and cold blood and it's it's ridiculous because it could have been any one of us any single person that was on that field it could have been any of them and so I was thinking that the whole time I was like this is this is pretty crazy and I'm very fortunate to be here right now. See when you look at the way that Sporting Kansas City and Major League Soccer have responded to this this movement and very swiftly you know, the picture that Sporting Kansas City took on Juneteenth and the conversations that manager Peter Vermees has told us about, the conversations we've had with other coaches and players involved with the club and, and the conversations you all have had internally about how to be um, better allies for the teammates and staff members of color. How meaningful is that to you as someone, uh, you know, at your age and, and your rank in the club? Is that something that you ever imagined being a part of, at, you know, at this point in our country's history? I never thought I'd be part of anything like this in my life, to be honest, never even thought about it. But I'm glad that as soon as the opportunity came around that I took part of it, absolutely. And the fact that we have our teammates and Peter and the rest of the staff in the front office support us is unbelievable to me. Um, from the first day, Peter came up to us, me, Kyrie, Eric, and the rest of us, he's like, whatever you guys need, whatever you guys want, just tell me and we will do it. So just let me know from the beginning. And then Beezer came up, Beezer, Zeus, all the leaders from the other from the team, they said the same thing to us. And from that point, I mean, I'm not they've been amazing guys from the beginning. Them just saying that to us was 
it meant a lot to me and to I know it meant a lot to the rest of the guys too. So. I mean, yeah, incredible stuff from from an outside point of view from from you guys down there. Really proud to to see you out there. Um, and then the other the other thing I wanted to ask you about was we talked to you coming into the season, and you said you worked so hard to get back to to Sporting Kansas City to MLS and. You, uh, you got to get back out on the field uh, again while you were down there playing in a few games. Um, just, you know, what was uh, what was that moment like getting back out there on an MLS pitch? It was it was amazing. It, it took me three years to get back. So after the end of every season at Phoenix, I always thought like, maybe this is the year, maybe this is the year, and I kept having to wait and having to wait and having to wait. And then when it finally came, at the end of it last year, and I'm finally back here. Just those first, even though it's just those first five minutes I stepped on, it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. I was like, okay, I'm back. And then I got more minutes, and then I played 40 for the whole second half the last game. And I had, an, like, even though we were losing, um, I had an amazing time. To me, it, it meant a lot, and I had a lot of fun on that field. And just competing with the guys, being on that level with everybody, it was, it was incredible to me. Okay, I have a couple of follow-ups on this then, T. And once again, we're visiting with Amadou Dia, who, uh, who came back sporting Kansas City after originally being drafted by the club, spending a couple years here, last few years with the Phoenix Rising in USL. And, and, and Carter asked you about it. You keep re referencing wanting to be back here. I think a lot of people would just assume you're in USL. Everybody that, for the most part, is in USL, their goal is to probably try to get to MLS or get back to MLS. But it sounds to me like you're saying you want to get back to Kansas City, especially after what you said about what Tim Lee said. Is that the case? Were you in Phoenix thinking, I want to get back to Kansas City, or just was it as simple as, I want to get back to MLS? I, to be honest, um, like it says, what is it? Beggars can't be choosers. So right? <laughs> any time I was trying to get back into the league, it was just to get back to any team, just get my foot into sure. the door and then just try and go from there. But being able to come back too amazing to me because the facilities, the facilities that we have are incredible, absolutely ridiculous. Every day I go right now, I'm like, wow, like I have to take more advantage of this. Um, the coaching staff, it's uh, the coaching staff, the players, the attitude that Kansas City is, is just, it's a winning mentality. If you come here, you know you're coming here to do business. You have to give it every day and you know you're here to win. It's not just, Oh, I'm back in the MLS and I'm happy I'm just here. It's like, no, I'm here back in the MLS and I'm here to win this in Kansas City. And that's the attitude I have. And that's the best, I think that's the best environment to be in in competitive sports. So th those things that you said, we, we've heard that from multiple players that have left Kansas City, whether it was by their own choice or not. Um, and a lot of them have, or some of them have had the opportunity to come back and we hear similar stories about how, man, I don't think I really appreciated it as fully until I went somewhere else and had a different perspective. Do you feel a sense of wanting to, I mean, cause Lee, you, you, that was the first professional club you ever knew, right? Like you come out of college. So you don't really have a frame of reference until you go experience something else. Do you feel a need to communicate to maybe young guys on the team now that have never experienced another club? Like you need to appreciate what you're a part of right now um, and have you had any of those kind of conversations with any of the younger guys since you've been back? Absolutely. I've had a, just a couple of Zoom meetings with some of the younger academy guys, and I've told them about my experiences, and I've told them not, what not to do, because I've gone through it all the last about 
since my professional career, I was up, I was starting as a rookie. I was playing very well on the Open Cup, everything. And then just, I just it got into my head and then I started going downhill. It was a slippery slope and then went down to Montreal, went down, down, ended up in U breaking my foot, ended up in USL for three years. And I worked my way back up to MLS. And so I, any advice I give to the guys is what you have here at Sporting Kansas City is a lot different from a lot of other clubs. You don't have the facilities. Kansas City is the gold standard, I would say. The gold standard of the MLS from attitude, facilities, playing-wise, everything is the gold standard. So my advice to them is do not take it for granted. That's for sure. Yes, you're going to make some mistakes. Yes, you're going to get distracted at some point, but you have to try and stay as focused as possible and be in the right mentality and have your priorities straight. That's one of the biggest lessons I have is make sure your priorities are right and in the right ones. T, you saw a lot of success, though, in the USL and with Phoenix Rising during those three years. What specifically about your game did you see go to that next level to prepare you for that next shot at Major League Soccer? Um, to me, it was more taking a leadership role. And so as a co-captain at Phoenix Rising, I had to uh, deal with a lot of situations as from, uh, what's it called? Talking from the coaches and relaying the message to the guys and making sure everything was doing, being done right even though I didn't always do the right things I had to learn how to take more responsibility and lead the guys out on the field on and off the field as well and so that was my biggest thing at Phoenix taking more of a leadership role becoming more mature and mature as the days go on and um, just but sticking to myself as well so being myself but make sure I don't get over my head and you know power influences people sometimes and so I had to make sure I stayed humble stayed humble and did the right things and led my team to the right ways. And I think um, maybe as a fullback, oftentimes the manager's within earshot, so you have to be able to, uh, to delay, <laughs> relay those messages, right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, T, well, before we let you go, now you guys are back. And we're waiting to find out the details of what this – regular season plan is going to look like. You've already been through the experience of training without really knowing <laughs> what was gonna come next. Cause that happened to you guys when everything got shut down before the whole uh, MLS is back tournament got fully announced. Um, I'm curious what it's gonna be like this time around. Hopefully we find out real soon what the details are, but uh, what are you expecting and what's training gonna be like until you find out exactly what comes next? Well, I think we're about to enter our sixth preseason of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just waiting. We're just getting ready. We came into Orlando fit, ready to win the whole thing. And so I think now it's just to keep our fitness up, our match fitness up especially. And whenever, if they say we start the 22nd, we'll be ready. If they say we start next weekend, we'll be ready. So now it's just mentally and physically just getting prepared for whatever they throw at us. And so we're just waiting. It's a waiting game for everybody. Everybody's anxious. You guys are just as anxious as we are, I'm sure. <laughs> we're just waiting to see what Peter tells us and uh, we'll find out tomorrow at practice, hopefully, if he's heard anything. But if not, we'll just wait and keep getting prepared. Well, we, uh, we are definitely very anxious to see a regular season to get to call some more of your games. Hey, the best news, you didn't win the whole thing at MLS's back, but you guys got a couple of big wins and you're in first place in the West. So. 
you know, whenever this thing starts up, you're in good position. See, thank you so much for the time, man. We appreciate it. Congratulations on being back and everything that's here. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate you guys. Okay, that's Amadou Dia. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to the MVP of the NWSL Championship Tournament that took place. She's a Kansas Cityan, too. Shea Groom is going to join us next. That's right after this on the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra. All right, we are back on the Sporting Kansas City show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, streaming, of course, video wherever you get your video content, the Facebook page on 810, or if you, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify or Asking Alexa, whatever. We appreciate you listening to and or watching the show. And we're presented by Michelob Ultra, and we are joined now by an MVP. And this is just so cool because – We've gotten to know Shay at, at, uh, on the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810. Going back, she, she would join us during the World, Women's World Cup as kind of an analyst for us via the phone. We talked to her right before the NWSL Challenge Cup started, which was the first professional uh, sports team uh, return to play since the pandemic. And then she goes on and she wins MVP of the championship game. And she's best 11 in the tournament. She scores three goals. And now she, and she's had a parade. I mean, what a, what a month it's been. And now we get her on the show. Shay, how are you? Congratulations on everything. This is so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's been definitely a whirlwind, obviously incredible for this organization in this city and something we've so enjoyed celebrating. Um, but a little weird now that we kind of have to just go back to what life was before uh, end of a cell bubble and, and playing football again. So uh, definitely a weird month, weird couple of months. So when I texted you to see if you'd come on the show, you said, I'll be driving home. Now, driving from where? So we got a, we've uh, had a couple of weeks off now after the um, time before we get back together as a team. And so took a little drive with the dog and uh, visited some family and, and such. So uh, just a couple of days of some fresh air and now back to training. <laughs> So Shay, being out of the bubble now, when you look back on that experience, what was your favorite part, maybe least favorite part? Give us a glimpse into the bubble life in Utah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It kind of takes you back to the youth club days because yeah. <laughs> your freedom's taken away a little bit. You gotta depend on other people. You gotta send Carlos your grocery list and he's gonna get your snacks for you. Um, probably the least favorite part was that Um, you know, I, I needed the food that I wanted and that was a little thing of happiness that I could do for myself. So, um, but the best part I think was just obviously being able to return to play and in ever, whatever way we had to do that, I think we were prepared to do it and obviously making some fun memories with the team and, and going through the whole process and obviously winning championship. I was going to ask, uh, down, down at the MLS bubble, there weren't much interacting between teams for the most part. You, you, maybe some people run into each other, like, in the lobby. Um, what about for, for you guys? Was it uh, each team kind of kept to themselves, or did you interact much with, with players from other teams, or how, how was that aspect? Yeah, it was interesting. So we weren't all in, um, in the same place. We had um, 
my team was actually with Sky Blue, the Jersey team, in a hotel. So we would see them every once in a while. But it was kind of weird. It was like, can we hug people? Like, we're all tested. Can we talk? Like, so everyone kind of kept their distance, but um, uh, obviously interacted as, as needed. And then we saw each other at the training grounds and shared a coffee truck. So um, always a long line for the coffee truck. That was probably the highlight <laughs> of the tournament for most teams. <laughs> So we talked with Carter about how, you know, at the start of the MLS's back tournament, they had to send a couple teams home and there was this kind of fear of the unknown. Is this a safe thing to be doing? Am I risking my own health by being in Orlando? Obviously Utah is a different situation, but you guys had a team that had to, to pull out of the tournament before they even went. Can you remember back to what your emotions and thoughts were when you went into this tournament at the time? Yeah, I think we knew that, we had prepared like on the field, but obviously that um, we needed to do what we needed to do off the field and in terms of being safe and, and keeping to ourselves. Um, and so I think that's what we did. And I think that's the unique thing about our league. Obviously it's smaller than MLS, smaller than some of these other leagues that are um, returning to play. But um, I think everyone was kind of on the same page of, you know, this is what we got to do. We got to suck it up and, and get through it and make sure this is safe and healthy and that we can, you know, provide a little bit of hope, a little bit of sport back to the world and um, not just for ourselves, but uh, for the world. And the NWSL did an incredible job, keep, you know, keeping everybody safe and having the protocols go uh, exactly as planned. How impressed are you with what the league was able to pull off and what does it say about the future of the NWSL? Just looking at um, how much dedication uh, went into putting this thing together. Yeah, just as you said, it was absolutely incredible the things that Lisa Baird has been able to do in the short time that she's been with the NWSL. I mean, to get the job and then to go into a global pandemic and figure out what you're going to do with the league is absolutely insane. And I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but she handled it with complete grace and keeping us in the loop far beyond how it's been in the past. I mean, she was having open calls with the entire league. Anyone could jump on and, and listen to what she had to say. You could ask questions. Um, and it was just done really well. Obviously, we're always going to push for improvement. And, you know, we're, we're always pushing for equality in, in so many ways. And she's on that journey with us and I think is in our corner. So um, I think overly impressed and excited for what the future holds and how rapidly it's going to change. I mean, even in my six years in the league, it has gone day and night. So this by far was one of the coolest experiences I've ever been a part of and something I think we'll look back and remember as kind of the trailblazing moment and you know that change and shift under people realized and recognized that there's women's football in this country and uh, that it's something to be watched. Well I was just going to say it certainly was watched I mean you being the first league back and then um, even after MLS joined up there wasn't you know it was just basically NWSL and uh, in this in this country and I think the ratings showed um, that people paid attention um, were you kind of aware of the the uh, maybe enhanced interest in the tournament and and how many more viewers um, you, you guys did get when you're over there yeah I think it's just a unique situation being on the player side and not again like I was back in the YouTube days or like go 90 when people were like having to dig and figure out how to stream the games and you know obviously now being on CBS and um, you know just kind of that enhanced viewership uh, it was pretty crazy I'm not sure I expected um, or could expect what it was going to be like but 
Um, I'm used to having to explain myself and what I do. And yes, there's women's soccer in this country. And yes, I get paid to do it. And, you know, going through the whole uh, spiel. But now it's like, oh my gosh, you guys won the Challenge Cup. And I'm like, you guys know what the Challenge Cup is? Like, yes, <laughs> my hope is redeemed. So um, it's been so fun and obviously just so incredible with all the sponsorship and viewership and exposure we got through the tournament. Um, it was crazy. So you, you've won some things. By the way, once again, we're visiting with Shea Groom. You've won some things in your, uh, in your college career, in your pro career. Where does this one rank? Being the MVP of a tournament that might not ever – it might be a one of a kind in, in world history. <laughs> How do you put that one into perspective? Yeah, this one was definitely special for a lot of reasons. Um, I've shifted around since my time in Kansas City and um, kind of needed, I think, this in a way. And, and to do it with a club that's never done it before. I mean, no one. We were 201 odds in, in the start of the tournament. And uh, we had a lot of new faces on the dash this year and then some players that have been here their entire career. So it was, it was a fun mix and, and fun to kind of, I keep saying this, but turn the page with a lot of, a lot of players that just needed it. And uh, we kind of took on that identity of the underdog, the massive chip on our shoulder and um, just wrote a different script uh, this entire tournament. It was one of those things you'll look back on and it's just like, wow, like how did we do it? Like we still can't believe we did it. And, um, but this definitely ranks up there. I mean, again, like you said, so unique, so special, probably never happened again. Um, we didn't start, I mean, the last time I played a legit tournament, you know, you play a conference tournament in college, but something like this where you're, you know, Olympic style knockout, just hard game every single, uh, week and to do seven games in in four weeks was just absolutely insane so this will be special for sure so do you get it what did you get do you get a trophy do you get what and do you get like a prize what what comes with being the mvp of the championship game in this competition mvp i did well i actually uh we celebrated so hard as a team i left the uh, mvp trophy at the stadium so <laughs> no no here like our stadium oh. Oh, so. okay no, 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 it is in market, but uh, it's, it was a massive, like, golden ball. Um, but I missed out on the prize money that only went to my other teammate, Rachel Daly, for MVP of the tournament, uh, golden boot of the tournament. But And she's she's going to give me some. I mean, I got her the golden boot. She gave That's me that right. assist, got her <laughs> at the last minute. We'll square it away. So. But you're going you're gonna to keep that trophy, right? Like, you're not going to let the da – they don't get to keep that. No, I got to keep the ball. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I was going to say, that that doesn't work. Give me something. Yeah. <laughs> and Shay, all of this for you in your first year with the Houston Dash, and you mentioned in an interview recently that you feel like you're getting back to the old Shay groom. What does that mean, and, and how did you lose that? Yeah, you know, I think when you're shifted around a couple times and, you know, obviously life stuff, um, it can just – it can be a lot to balance football and – uh, to just try to be yourself and constantly go into new environments and find chemistry with different players. Um, it's just hard. And I think in Kansas City, being with Blacko, you know, someone I've known my whole career, um, I was just, you know, able to get in a flow and get in a rhythm. And then, you know, once I started shifting around, it's obviously a bit harder. Um, but I think when I think about who Shea Groom is in the courts, you know, somebody that is impactful, someone that is scoring goals and uh, probably making a lot of people on the other team a little angry. Um, always something that I'm, I'm trying to do. So uh, 
I think, you know, just feeling that again and, you know, feeling like I'm surrounded by players that also play that way and bring that out in me has just been everything I could have asked for in the new club. And Houston's felt like home from the moment I got here. And it's crazy. I've only been here for like six months still, even probably less than that. So um, Texas definitely second home for me as an Aggie and um, somewhere that I'm hoping I can continue my career. So you mentioned it, 201 odds. Um, you said you guys are kind of writing your own script in this tournament. I saw the account scribbled out the same old dash uh, on, on Twitter. Um, I, I guess, can you specifically point to something that, that this team did really well on the pitch that led to it being a new dash and not the same old dash and, and getting this championship? Yeah, it's funny. I think we came in and and training was good, um, but we didn't really know what to expect. Obviously, we're training against ourselves and, you know, scrimmaging against ourselves. So, and I, I would say even then, it wasn't like we were scoring a ton of goals and, and things like that. Uh, this team actually battled a lot of drama off of the field, obviously, you know, with the pandemic and, um, you know, some side team drama. Obviously, Black Lives Matter movement was hard. Um, we had some staff coaching problems, you know, get one of our assistant coaches had to leave, you know, mid preseason. And um, so it was just a lot. And this team, no matter what, no matter if we all disagreed or um, were on the same page, um, we had to do it together. And I think that was a big, a big piece for us. And then we get to Utah and we come out in that first game, we scored three goals. Um, you know, we obviously blew the, the win late and, you know, let them come back from two goals, but two goals up. But um, I think that, that kind of instilled a little bit of belief in us. Like, you know, you know, we're here and we could be good. <laughs> so, uh, and then to go out and beat rain, obviously a great side, obviously my old club too. Um, I think just set the tone. Um, we got tired towards the end of the group stage and kind of, you know, had to just make it through. And we knew it the, once the knockout started, you know, ruthless, we are going to get it done. And, and it felt like every time you woke up and got to the field, you're like, you know, we're going to win this game. <laughs> I don't know like why, you know, and I don't think that existed before. So, uh, it was special, honestly. We're visiting with Shea Groom, the MVP of the NWSL Challenge Cup Championship game and Kansas City native. And you mentioned Vlatko. And for maybe if our listeners don't know, I, I, hopefully most of our audience knows that, but Vlatko Andonovsky, who Kansas City guy too, by the way, and, and was a coach at uh, FC Kansas City and uh, a good buddy of ours, Hugh Williams as well, who I know he's the one that put us in touch years ago. Uh, he's involved with the national team now, and Vlatko is as well. You getting any calls from Vlatko about the national team these days? Uh, not yet. We'll see. Uh, he did send me a text. It's funny. You know, we, we go way back. I've known him probably since I was nine years old and uh, watching him coach the Comets. And it's weird to see him on the national stage now and obviously so deserved. And, you know, he's an incredible coach. You don't have to convince me. Um, I'll be his biggest advocate. But, um you know, it's, it's just funny, obviously, knowing him for so long. And uh, he actually texted me during the tournament that he was out at a training, but he didn't want to bother me. I was like, wow, the national team's changed you. <laughs> You're not trying to bother me because he's always bothering me. But now, uh, obviously, incredible to see him at that level and um, something that I've, I'll always aspire to be at. So uh, hoping that the Challenge Cup allowed me to showcase some of those skills and just remind him, keep him in the uh, forefront yeah. of the <laughs> Hey, that's going to put you, but that's a hard team to break into. I mean, there, there's so much great American talent and, and you've been in the league, but you're still young enough. I mean, like, is that something that you 
Um, you, you said you aspire to it. Does that does 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 doing something like this in the NWSL Challenge Cup give you maybe a renewed sense of I, I could I could pull this off maybe? Yeah, definitely. I think I uh, you know I'm always going to stand by. I think this league is the best in the world and uh, has the best players in the world. So to be able to play day in and day out against some of those national team players and is always you know going to be a good thing for my career and. I've said from, you know, I've been asked a lot about the national team stuff. And for me, it was just about being consistent and getting back again to who I am as a player and what makes me special. And I think if I do those things, then, you know, I have good a shot as anybody. So, uh, you know, was really pleased with the way I performed and, you know, not just scoring goals, but I think being effective in, in all the games and just somebody that, you know, people had to be aware of. Um, and uh, so, I, I, you know, I was happy with where I was at and whatever comes after. We'll see. Shay, we've talked to a lot of players who have lived the bubble life about this. What are some activities that you guys did to uh, stay occupied and your, you know, keep your mind off of things in your free time? And I actually heard you say that you did a lot of juggling and maybe not the kind of juggling that people might think. Where did you learn how to juggle one and two, I guess, really get interested in, in that kind of pastime? Yeah, we so we did a lot of things. We did Mario Kart, ping pong tournaments. I played ping pong every single day. So, um, <laughs> but juggling was actually a funny, funny thing because I last year at Rain was recovering from my rib, just wanted to do like a little activity and and just randomly started learning to juggle from actually a KC girl named Scout Watson played at Colorado, um, and she taught me how to juggle, and then I would do it every day for like. Every time we're in the locker room, everyone's laughing. I'm juggling these tennis balls. They're going <laughs> everywhere. Um, but it became something that really just helped me focus and get in the zone and just kind of relax. And um, not that I have ADD or anything like that, but um, it just kind of, I don't know, something I could focus on for a long period of time, which is, you know, hard for anybody, I think. So um, I bought juggling balls before the trip because I knew I would have to keep myself occupied somehow and so then on the way there I was teaching uh, Rachel daily to juggle on the plane Megan Oyster juggles on the plane so then we juggled all the time and now Rachel's probably a better juggler than me and I have no idea how but <laughs> a woman of many talents maybe um if you're having a birthday party coming up soon hire the Houston right. Dash they'll come and juggle at your we're here <laughs> yep we're learning new tricks every day so <laughs> that's great um so now the challenge cup is over, uh, but I, I'm, I'm wondering what, what needs to happen to continue this momentum. I mean, we see the angel city announcement, uh, racing Louisville, which that's one of my favorite, uh, team names in, in all of American soccer. I'll be up front. I love it. Um, what, yeah, what, do, what, do, what do we need to do to keep this momentum going? That is the question of the hour. I mean, it's just difficult obviously with everything that's going on in the world and you know we want to be safe about it we want to be able to um you know again continue the momentum uh what that looks like I'm not sure yet I know the league's in uh discussions that probably as we speak so um you know whether it's just exhibition matches or getting a couple teams out to Utah again um you know we're just hoping that we have an opportunity to play an opportunity to again excite people about women's football in this country and and keep that momentum going because there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming in. Like, like you said, obviously Angel City, what an incredible announcement and the people that have backed that and gone on board and, you know, they didn't just like 
say, hey, we have an idea. It's like they've done the work and, you know, they're going to take the time to prepare for it. That's what I've loved about Louisville, watching their journey the past couple or the past year from their announcement. It's, it's just been cool. They interact with the league. They're not just like, hey, we'll, we'll be around soon. It's like, no, we're already a part of this league. And and then just to watch the evolution, I think it's going to be so, so cool. So um, I'm so excited for the league and, and where it's headed and, and all the teams that are going to come in. And, you know, hopefully we can continue the momentum and uh, keep people excited in the meantime. I will have to give it to NWSL on this. Their names and uniforms, way more creative right now than what we're dealing with with the expansion teams in MLS. I've been very disappointed at the very boring, uh, mundane nature of some of the new names of the teams coming into hey, MLS. <laughs> fingers crossed for St. Louis, you guys. I, I have a feeling it'll be something good. So it's not, not gonna, no it's just gonna be St. Louis FC. FC. Just get out, all right? I don't want to cancel the team. Nobody wants it. <laughs> Although I did notice that uh, Shea is apparently on team football, not team soccer. So Carter and Shea can sort those differences out at another time. Um, before we before we let you go, Shay, and again, it's been so awesome to, to talk with you and 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 you know sharing this amazing experience you've had. I watched on social media as you did something with uh, dunking the ring. And look, I've been down to Texas A and M a few times back when I broadcast for KU, and there's so many different traditions at that school that you have to literally like go to class to learn them all. So I, I don't know where this fits, but. What can you tell us about dunking the ring? And is that a Texas A&M thing? How did that happen? And what is it? Yes, uh, big Aggie thing. As you said, tons of traditions. And you do actually go to like a camp for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's, a real, it's a real thing. So uh, dunking your ring, you get your ring once you hit 90 hours um, or 75 hours of your 90s. So basically when you become a senior and um, basically at a ceremony where you get your ring and then usually have your ring dunked that night with, a bunch of buddies and you fill up a pitcher with beer uh it's usually four or five beers and you leave it out overnight so you can chug it obviously and uh then it's a race against the clock who chugs it fastest and gets their ring in there it's kind of a rite of passage and I never did it because I um you know was in my senior season that year we went to the final four and was focused on that there's no time to be chugging some beers so. <laughs> um and then I graduated early uh just to get into the league and obviously start my professional career so it was weird being in the challenge cup one of my uh friends on the team she's a Canadian you know being in Houston she has a lot of Aggie friends so she randomly at, looked at me just one one dinner and was like how was your ring dunk like tell me about it it's like oh my gosh I've caught <laughs> I've, I've never done my ring dunk and she was like we have to do it so we have some Aggies on the staff too. And once they found out, I mean, they were like appalled and, and I like <laughs> I wanted to get out that I hadn't done it. So I was like, all right, guys, we're going to win the whole thing now. And then the trophy came out a few days later. I was like, of course, it's a perfect chalice for this <laughs> ring dunk. And then of course we won it. And I'm sitting in the, uh, no lie, the press conference after, after the game and next to Rachel. And I'm like, I'm about to have to do the ring dunk and it's going to be cold, fizzy beer. Like, <laughs> after we played 97 minutes, and it was hot, like, guys, I was dreading it. But obviously, I, I dumped more on it than I probably chugged anyways, but made Sports Center. I, I think my parents were a little embarrassed and proud at the same time, but <laughs> all Aggies celebrated and trying to, you know, challenge the rest of them now. I'm like, Alex Crusoe on the Lakers, he got, he's got to get his ring dunk in after the, they win the championship. The, uh, I love this concept of, of if your parents, like, our daughter is on Sports Center. 
drinking four beers at one time. <laughs> My dad literally said that the neighbor came over and said, Kelly, like Shay's on Sports Center, and he was so excited, think it was gonna be the goal or something. And he turns it on, and I'm chugging beer out of the truck. <laughs> Well, it, hey, this was awesome stuff, Shay. We went a little longer than we expected, but this was great stuff. We're so happy for you. We're proud of you. We love the fact that you're wearing your KC Pride for us uh, on the show today. Go get them in the regular season, Whatever's, whatever comes next, however this works out. Um, and and, and uh, congratulations on everything. Thanks for the time. Thank you, guys. All right, and that's going to do it for us. We're out of time here on the Sporting Kansas City Show. Again, thanks to everybody for watching it on the video stream or listening on 810WHB.com or wherever you stream the podcast. And of course, we're presented by Michelob Ultra. So long, everybody. We'll see you next week.